0: Welcome to the West Virginia Soccer Association Beyond the Pitch podcast on the WVSA Digital Network. From the Dick Sporting Goods studios in Charleston, West Virginia, here's your host, Marcus Cole. Welcome to the podcast. Before we welcome our guests, I want to remind you to like, subscribe, and share our program. This helps us get the word out to others and let them know that we're providing valuable information designed for soccer players, coaches, referees, and parents. Excited to welcome back onto the program Jenny Rarick, communication coach and owner of Fit to Speak. Jenny, welcome back to the show.
1: Marcus, thanks for having me. Happy 2023. A month in.
0: Absolutely. Happy 2023 to you too, as well. We're excited to have Jenny back. Uh, we always usually have Jenny on right before our seasons start, because we think it's so important for our cu- our coaches to understand how to better communicate, better communicate with their players, and especially better communicate with their parents. And that's what we're going to be focusing on today. So why don't we go ahead and jump right in? Uh, Jenny, communication can be difficult at times with players and especially with parents, what are some of the common fears uh, that coaches have with this type of communication?
1: The common fears, I would say, are social in nature most often, meaning they have to do with questions like how am I going to be judged by this person if I say this? How will what I want to say make this person feel? Will I be accepted or rejected at a very human level? Or if what I say upsets this person, what might happen? as a result. Because of this, we tend to avoid conversations that often simply need to be had, or if we're in them, we communicate in a convoluted way instead of being assertive and direct because of some of those fears that we have. I recently wrote in a social post that today's communication is tomorrow's relationship. And I find that that is a really insightful thought because we have to understand our default mode of communication is often to communicate in ways that make us comfortable. But in most scenarios, that's not always what's in the best interest of the relationship. It's not always to choose how to communicate based on what makes us comfortable. So instead, before communicating, whether it's with a player or a coach, I would challenge you to ask questions like, How will what I'm about to say impact the future of this relationship? Or what do I need to say to create the type of future that I want for this relationship? And I think when we frame our communication through those long term perspectives, we have an easier time stepping into more of those uncomfortable conversations that just happen when it comes to interacting with coaches, players, parents.
0: It's funny, we have a saying uh, for soccer referees, uh, if you would have called the first foul, you wouldn't have to call the second one and then deal with the uh, misconduct behind it. So I think that's a perfect scenario for this situation is that sometimes we have to deal with things that make us extremely uncomfortable. but but the the caveat of that is that dealing with it and sometimes in an uncomfortable situation can, obviously lead to a better relationship and better communication going down the road. So I think that's certainly important for our coaches to understand. You were going to say
1: something? Well, I was just going to, I want to make it clear that Mm -hmm. when I say assertive and direct communication, that does not equal being brutally honest Brutal honesty is cruel, whereas being assertive and direct means you're choosing words that make your message clear, but you're speaking in a way that is driven by kindness and compassion. It makes a whole lot of sense. Whole lot of sense.
0: Obviously, proper communication is so important for coaches. Um, skipping down just a little bit. uh, What about setting boundaries when it comes to communication? Because I think that kind of goes hand in hand with just what you were saying before about, you know, brutal honesty, you know, but having thoughtful and and mindful words and being kind. I think that comes with setting boundaries when it
1: comes to that communication, Mm -hmm. isn't it? Absolutely. And boundaries, whether they're related to how you're communicating or not. Boundaries always start with having a self-awareness and that it's a self-awareness of what am I willing to tolerate and why is that my limit? The reason why defining your boundaries and then being clear in your expression of those boundaries with the people you're interacting with is important is because they're they end up being the modulators of that relationship. They're like guardrails. They're what prevent communication extremes from happening. Coaches who are able to define their boundaries and then communicate them clearly often don't experience those blow up moments with players and parents and referees, because there's been a precedent that's been communicated when We don't express, have, or express our boundaries. We often find ourselves in unpleasant communication scenarios because we've allowed more than we can handle or more than we've wanted to handle. Then we find ourselves giving people the silent treatment, gossiping behind their backs, or getting into heated or personal arguments because we allowed it to boil over. The analogy I like to use here is Anytime you're in an in, in interaction that's maybe more nuanced in nature or it's getting heated, you don't ever want to let it transition from a simmer to a boil. Simmering is okay, but the moment it feels like things are about to boil over, that's when it's your responsibility to recognize that and hit a pause on the conversation and say, we're not going to achieve anything right now. It seems like we're both defensive about this or we both have different opinions. Would you be willing to pick up this conversation another time? Or maybe it can be had over email. Have you ever heard of the author Anne Lamott? No, I have not. She's written a couple of really great books. One of my favorites is called Bird by Bird. And the reason why I'm mentioning it is because in her book, she describes this idea that she calls your emotional acre And I have the quote here, if you don't mind, I would love to read it. Yeah, go ahead. Because it contextualizes all this. In the book, she writes, every single one of us at birth is given an emotional acre all our own. As long as you don't hurt anyone, you really get to do with your acre as you please. You can plant fruit trees or flowers or alphabetized rows of vegetables or nothing at all. If you want your acre to look like a giant garage sale or an auto wrecking yard, that's what you get to do with it. There's a fence around your acre, though, with a gate. And if people keep coming onto your land and sliming it or trying to get you to do what they think is right, you get to ask them to leave. And they have to go because this is your acre. I really love that because I think it paints a vivid picture of what boundaries mean, is you get to decide how people communicate with you and what you're willing to tolerate, because that's the fence line of your emotional acre. And it's important that coaches do it to prevent burnout and manage relationships. But it's also important that coaches communicate their boundaries so that they're modeling what that looks like for parents and their players.
0: And it allows them to do what they're there to do and coach. That's right more than having to worry about a lot of this other stuff too, as well. We're talking to Jenny Rerick communication coach, owner of fit to speak. Um, what are some common mistakes that coaches make when they try to communicate?
1: To keep this simple and actionable, I've got 2 I'm going to share. The first one is not checking for understanding. The second one is not considering the impact of their body language and their voice on how their message is being received. So if we start with number one, which is not checking for understanding, too many of us assume that just because we've said something that it's been understood. Often our communication doesn't get through the first time. And unfortunately, because we tend to be insecure about our ability to be clear, we choose not to check in with the people we're communicating with as to whether or not they really understood our message. And we do that in a fear that we're going to learn that we didn't do a good job explaining something. But then unfairly, we place the blame on our listeners if miscommunication happens. It's their fault for not understanding. If you're the one sending the message, creating understanding is your responsibility. So that means you need to check for understanding. And that can be done in many different ways. You can ask directly, which might sound like, I'm not sure I did a good job explaining that. Would you tell me what you hear me saying? You can observe behavior. Say you ask your athlete to execute a drill and they do it incorrectly, bring them back and say something like, I didn't do a good job explaining that. Let me explain this another way. You can create teaching scenarios in which you encourage others to take the message that you give them and teach it to maybe one of their teammates. And then you observe how they teach it to another teammate. And that allows you to check how well they themselves understood it.
0: I like that. Do you want to say
1: anything before I go on to number two? No,
0: go right on to number two.
1: All right. Number two was not considering the impact that your body language and your voice have on how your message is received. This is what I would say is my bread and butter. It's most often what I work with people on is their their nonverbals and their verbal skills. I host workshops where I teach coaches how to manage or take more control of how they express their message through their bodies and their voice, so it creates congruency with their message. So we talk about, one of the things that we talk about, I talk a lot about is eye contact. Often eye contact is one of the most natural and expected forms of connection when we communicate with people. If I'm a coach explaining something to a player or maybe even a group of players, and I'm not engaging with them directly with my eye contact and an individual level, now all of a sudden I'm communicating something to them, but my physical demonstration of that message is in conflict with that communication because I haven't even connected with them visually before I've communicated with them. Or if I'm a coach and I stand with my arms crossed in front of me because that's what's most comfortable for me, even though that might not necessarily mean anything. I just stand like this because I'm comfortable like this. If a player looks at me, my body language is communicating something to them, whether or not I agree with their perception of it. Often I say perception is reality how other people perceive you is how they receive you. So it's not so much a matter of what your intentions are when you're communicating and how you're using your body language and your voice, because you can have the best intentions of the world. It's about how people are perceiving your body language and your voice. And I think coaches who spend time video recording themselves and then going back and watching or even working with a coach, someone like me to assess their body language and their voice in terms of how they communicate can be tremendously helpful in just going a level deeper and creating more understanding and reducing the amount of miscommunication that happens.
0: I I relate to that tremendously early on in my coaching career. I had what is called RBF and um, I uh, uh, <laughs> I uh, I just looked angry all the time. Yeah. I just, I just, and it I wasn't, It just, that's how I looked. And once mm-hmm. I kind of realized that I was like, oh, okay, maybe I'm sending off this vibe to these players. So when I am making a correction or whatever, it's taken to a different degree that, oh, coach is mad at me for this. This is why he's correcting me. That type of thing, as opposed to, oh, coach is just trying to help me. So That's right. It it makes perfect sense.
1: A little tiny thing that I was taught, and now I like to relay it to other people, is if you tend to give off a very serious and stern look all the time, but on the inside that's not necessarily how you're feeling, and yet it can be a turnoff for some people, Anytime you notice that you're holding your lips together, just let your lips softly part, and that alone makes a tremendous difference in how people receive your facial expressions.
0: I tried to uh, joke with uh, with the players a little bit more. That way, it it, it changed yeah. the the expression on my face a little bit more, and <laughs> try to find the lightness of of certain situations. I love with, these yeah. tips that you're giving. So why don't we continue with that? Can you go ahead and give us some tips uh, that coaches should keep in mind when communicating with players, especially
1: at the younger ages? Absolutely. The first is to connect before you communicate. Make sure you have eye contact from your players, which usually is a good indication that you have their attention, and make sure whenever possible you're physically facing them when you're communicating to them. You don't want to be communicating from the back of the room when they're all facing forward. Or if you have people standing behind you, I would always try and get people lined up in front of me, facing me when I would be communicating with them as opposed to creating a circle and being in the middle of the circle. Because you have to imagine, even though a circle, the shape itself communicates this idea of unity and togetherness, At any point when you're communicating, there are always going to be people who your voice is traveling away from because they're behind you. That's number one. Connect and make sure you have attention before you communicate. Number two, like I mentioned earlier, check for understanding. When you offer coaching or you give an explanation, go in with the assumption that you're going to be misunderstood. That way, you're already expecting to have to say something more than once or in a different way. And remember that just because you say it doesn't mean that it's understood. And then the third one is lead with conclusions, not explanations. When we go to explain things, we tend to default to sharing our thought process, followed by making our conclusion or our point. And although that's how our thinking process works, it's not how we like to process information. As soon as someone starts talking, whoever's listening to that person is immediately thinking, what's your point? That's what we're interested in. So if you're going to explain something to your players, make sure that you state what your conclusion is or what point you're trying to make first, and then you follow that with the explanation of why that is or how that's true. An easy way to remember this is an acronym that actually comes from the military. And the acronym is called BLUF, B-L-U-F. And it stands for bottom line up front. It's actually a writing technique they use in the military, but you can use it for speaking. Essentially, it means as soon as before you begin talking, state what your main conclusion is or your point. And you might even find that it prevents you from rambling. Because you've led with your conclusion and now there's not a whole lot of explaining to do other than just define or explain what you've already said.
0: I think that makes a whole lot of sense just in the essence of your players are all at different levels of development. They're at different levels of understanding. If you get your conclusion up front, you may have a couple of them that hear that conclusion went, oh, okay, I get it. I know what to do now whereas some more may go all right i get what you're saying but i need more context and then it kind of breaks down a little bit more from there down to the person who uh may not understand it completely and needs a little bit more explanation but at least you know your message is getting across as opposed to you start on a 3 minute tangent and half of your players are going
1: yeah you know where where is she going with this right
0: yeah. absolutely <laughs> We're talking to Jenny Rerick, communication coach, owner of Fit to Speak. Uh, finally, wrapping up here on the podcast, I think probably maybe the most important uh, question I'm going to ask you: uh, Give us some tips on coach what coaches should keep in mind when communicating with parents.
1: I have three. Number okay. one is to prioritize listening, and remember that listening does not equal agreeing. Often, I think we hesitate to listen to somebody because we think well if i listen to them they they're, they're going to think i agree with them and that's not true the reason why it's important to take the role of being a listener first is because that's how you gather information and the more information you can gather from a parent regarding their situation the question they have the concern they have the better you're going to be at formulating an appropriate and effective response So don't rush to speak. Instead, listen, ask lots of questions, reflect back to them what you hear them saying in your own words, and I'll bet you'll find that the issue gets resolved a lot quicker than it may have previously. So number one is to prioritize listening. Number two is to be a leader, meaning if a conversation is getting heated, say something like, This is getting heated and I'm not sure it's going to be productive if we continue this. Can we agree to meet again tomorrow after practice to pick this back up? And I'm not saying you have to meet with them again, but the goal is to never let a conversation, like I said, get to that boiling point and be the leader. You are the coach. I think it's your responsibility to in those moments when you recognize that things are moving in a direction that's going to be unproductive or emotionally straining for everybody involved, step up and put a stop on it and find a better way to do it or suggest a better way to do it. And then the third and final one is to set expectations early and often. Take time to meet with the parents and tell them your coaching philosophy, how you're going to field the questions they have throughout the season, when and where they can approach you if they have a question or concern what issues you will not discuss under any circumstance with them, regardless of the situation, and then tell them how you're going to handle situations with them that do get out of control. Meaning I might say to my group of parents, if at any point during the season, you, yourself and, and me, we get into a heated argument, I want you to know that this is how I'm going to respond in that moment. And this these are the things I might say. This is how we might address that heated conversation and I would say write these things down too and you can even share them as a a one-page handout with parents and maybe even make them sign it it's not to say that you're going to enforce it but the the physical act of signing something creates a lot of accountability and it demonstrates that they're a partner in recognizing that this is the way things need to be in order for you and this team to have success
0: yeah I think that's important. Yeah, it's it's I've always agreed in regards to the signing of of something like that is not to enforce it, it's to you know basically say, well we talked about this earlier. These were the expectations and and boundaries that we had set and how we were going to handle things along net lines. Do you remember um that and I I think that kind of sometimes takes a little heat off the moment. Uh, and can yeah. produce better communication in a more productive manner, which is always the goal of us coaches. Jenny Rarick, where can people find you? You're a great uh, follow on social media, not only just from the communications aspect, but you get to see some of Jenny's workouts and stuff and and she's a beast.
1: <laughs> I love training. I know yes. you do. My, everything that I have out there can be found on my website, which is fit-to-speak.com. And then as you mentioned, I'm on Instagram under fit to speak. And then I post pretty regularly on Twitter as well under my name, which is Jenny underscore Rierick.
0: And the two in the fit to speak is T O not number two. So make sure That's you right. uh, check her out, give her a follow Uh, She's always wonderful. We discovered her a couple of years ago, and we're so happy to have her back on the program, one of our regulars. Thank you so much, Jenny Rerick, communication coach, owner of Fit to Speak. We appreciate you coming back on the podcast.
1: You are most welcome. Thanks for having
0: me. And thank you for listening to the show. We hope you provided some valuable information today. And if we did, make sure you let everybody know about our program. You can follow us on our social media channels, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, just search for us at WVSoccer. Take care, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the West Virginia Soccer Association Beyond the Pitch podcast. Make sure you like, subscribe, and share our program. Copyright 2023. All rights reserved.